Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. Well, it's so good to see you this morning. I hope that all of your uh, Christmas festivities are starting to line up the way that you want them to. It's really a chaotic time of the year for a lot of us. But it's here. It's, I mean, Christmas is here, pretty much. Didn't Brian do such a good job last week preaching about being aware? Did a phenomenal job talking about being aware of the lostness. Not only... Uh, here in our own backyard, but it stretches around the globe. And Tom pointed out something really neat, and he, he shared this, and shared this picture. All the darkness represents places where people are just lost, and the gospel's not been shared. And uh, next to this Christmas tree, doesn't it just highlight the lostness with all of our lights? And you know, the lights on the tree represent the light of the world, Jesus, that came into our world to save us. And then you look, we're very blessed in our part of the world, but then all these folks around the globe desperately need our Lord. Brian highlighted that very well because not only are there 4.4 billion lost folks in that 1040 window, there's a lot of lost folks in our own lives, isn't there? So today, we're going to talk about kind of the next step in this Unashamed series is being missional. And I want you to realize and see this morning as we approach the Christmas holiday and the birth of our Savior that we need to be missional, not just because there are lost and dying people all around the world and in our own backyard, but because our Lord and Savior is missional. And if we're going to model what He did, then we will be missional too. If you're unashamed, you're going to be missional. We're going to talk about exactly what that means and what that looks like this morning. To do so, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 2 and only look at verses 14 through 18. It's not a traditional Christmas season passage, but it deals with what we're talking about perfectly. The author is talking about, in chapter 2 here, the incarnation of Christ, God becoming flesh and blood, God becoming a man, the first coming of Jesus as a little baby in a manger. And the reason he deals with, in chapter 2, that God did become a man. The author reminds us that for a little while, the Son of God was made a little lower than the angels. That he, In other words, He was made like one of us. And verse 9 tells us, so that He could taste death for us. He's saying God sent Jesus to be like us so He could save us. That's why He came. And then He discusses how through Christ we can be God's children. And just like Jesus is God's son, we have a brother. Thank God we got a good brother up there next to God, right? We can be Christ's brother. And then he says this in verse 14. That's kind of the context. He says, Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, talking about us, he says Jesus also shared in these. He literally was flesh and blood just like we are. And here's the reason why. So that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, 
that is, the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring. And guess who that is? Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God, to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. How many people have ever suffered? How many people have ever been tempted? Well, guess what? We've got a brother, a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who's been there before. And he has made a way for us to be free from those things. Now, this is what we celebrate this time of year at Christmas. And I love Christmas. I do. And you all know it. I love it. We've got all these wonderful songs playing about Christmas on the radio right now. I had some playing as people were coming in. I thought it was Christian music and it turned out to be Holly Jolly Christmas or something. I was like, hold on. We need to make some changes here. But I love this time of year. And we celebrate the fact that the Son of God became a man. He, came, he left uh, the, the glories of heaven and came into our little domain here in this world and in literal flesh and blood. And it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? When you stop and think about it and you think about the angels singing and the, the coming down to see the shepherds and the story of the wise man and all the stuff that we're going to talk about next week during Christmas house, it's just it's majestic. It's a glorious story that we celebrate every year and a lot to be excited about. But I want you to notice here in Hebrews how closely the author of Hebrews ties Jesus' birth to Jesus' mission. He really jumps right into it. From in just a few words, we go from the manger to the cross. That God sent Jesus, that he came in flesh and blood so that he could taste death. He doesn't mince any words in this passage. And why did he have to do that? Well, the Bible says so he might destroy the one holding the power of death, the devil. How many people ever thought the devil's pretty tough? You don't have to be honest if you don't want to. We think, man, the devil's scary. He's powerful. He's tricky. He's conniving. He gets me to do all kinds of things I don't want to do. Baloney. That devil has been whipped. He's been defeated. You know why you do the things you don't want to do? Because you really want to do them. Those little sins come up from your heart. That you think you give the devil too much credit in your life. The devil's been defeated. He has nothing to hold over you because of the death of Jesus Christ. And that was his mission. He left the comforts of heaven. He left the glory of the Father to take on our same flesh and blood that we have to become one of us in order to save all of us. Notice what the author says. I love this. He says he doesn't reach out to help the angels. What a great reminder of how important we are in God's sight. You know, there were some angels that fell too. And God did not give them any grace. God did not send His Son to save even the angels. The angels can never sing about what it means to be saved by God's grace. But we can. 
Jesus came for us. He came for you. Jesus himself said in Luke 19.10, I think this was his mission straight from his lips. He said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Thank God for that. That was his mission. To seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. That's why he did what he did. And if that was Jesus' mission, guess what that means for us? It should be our mission too. As his followers. Jesus was missional. We're going to sing here in a few minutes about the light of the world that stepped down into the darkness for us. So this morning I want to talk about what does it mean to be missional. We got a lot of thoughts, a lot of ideas about what this means. But the first thing you got to understand is it's not the same as being mission-minded. And what I mean by mission-minded is that you can be mission-minded but you, without ever being missional. Being mission-minded means in your mind, in your heart, you care about missions. Listen, Southern Baptists are very mission-minded. We care about missions. We give a lot towards missions through things like the cooperative program and Lottie Moon, and we should. Maybe you love to see the mission of Christ carried out across the globe. You love it. It's exciting, and we should care about that. Maybe you pray for missionaries. Maybe you give toward mission endeavors. Many churches, though, will fall into this trap. Many Christians as well. Where we're mission-minded. We talk about missions. We pray. We give bukus of money towards missions. But we never actually do missions. And that's the difference. None of that makes us missional. It's one of my pet peeves. People that say they're missional, but they're just mission-minded. And we should all be mission-minded, but we've also got to be missional. I don't think Jesus, when we looked at what he did, I don't think he modeled mission-mindedness. I don't think he said, you know what, I really care about people, them lost people getting saved. Maybe I'll pay somebody else to go save them. No, he literally left heaven, came, bled, and died, and rose again for lost people. That's how much it meant to him. He was missional. So what does it actually mean? Well, first it means becoming a missionary. Now, I know everybody's thinking, well, just count me out, preacher. I ain't never going to be no missionary. Well, let's talk about what that means. Do you know how many times that word's found in Scripture? None. Now, why would that be? If we put missionaries on such a pedestal, yet this word missionary is never found in Scripture, what, what's, what's the deal? It's because every follower of Christ in Christ's day was a missionary. There was no separation between following Christ and being a missionary and winning the lost to him. We've created this title that we give to people, and, and we should be proud of them, but at the end of the day, we far too often send them in our place to do the work that we ourselves are called to do. Every disciple, every church member, every Christian should also be able to wear that label, missionary. Write it in your workplace, in your family, in your community, 
in your school, if you're in a school, wherever you are, it's your mission field. Because here's what missionaries do, according to the professionals. They learn a culture. Did you know our culture's a little different than most places in the world? <laughs> you go, I go places and people are like, where in the world are you from? We're a little different in our culture. Missionaries not only learn that culture, but they adapt to that culture. We do things a little differently here in Appalachia. First of all, you get outside of Appalachia. A lot of people call it Appalachia. Just want to smack the... That ain't right. But we do, even in different parts of the state, people do things differently. They talk differently. They eat differently. They behave differently. And so we learn a culture. We adapt to the culture. But at the end of the day, missionaries do all of that while remaining biblically sound. You know, it doesn't matter what culture, what context you're in. It don't matter where you work. It don't matter what your family's like. It doesn't matter if I preach the gospel here or if I go to Sao Paulo, Brazil, 5,000 miles away. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the same. People still have the same desperate need to be saved by God's grace. They still have to know that God loves them, that they are sinful, and that He sent His Son Jesus to make a way for them to have a relationship with Him. It never changes. You know, we talk a lot about Lottie Moon this time of year, and I was reading a little bit about her because I knew just enough to be dangerous. But as I studied her life, I realized, you know, wow, there, there's a good reason that we put such an emphasis on this, this mission gift during Christmas. She was a fascinating lady from Virginia originally, spent some time in Kentucky. And you know what struck me the most? She was only about four foot three. Just a little bit taller than my mom, to be honest with you. Uh, shorter than my mom. Shorter than my mom. But this small lady made such a huge impact in her lifetime. She was successful. She came from a successful family. She was a teacher and earned one of the first master's degrees from a southern institution by a woman in her day. She had a lot going for her. But at the age of 32, her life radically changed. She declined a proposal to be married, which was a bigger deal then than it is now. She left her job, she left her southern estate, and she answered the call to be a missionary to the people in China. And she did this for the next 40 years. And this single little bitty woman from the south won hundreds of people to the Lord. And she set the foundation for the Chinese church which is one of the fastest growing places for Christianity in the world today. And she spent, she, she sacrificed so much to it, her money, her food, her health, everything. And by the time that she was 72 in 1912, on her way back, she weighed 50 pounds. Can you imagine that? My son weighs more than that. She had literally given her life to the gospel and to these people in China. Now, being mission, if God calls you to do that, I will pray for you. I will help you in any way that I can. But I want you to understand something this morning, that being missional doesn't always have to mean going to the mission field overseas. You can be missional, you can be a missionary, 
without ever leaving 41749. And here's what the final point. Being missional means living on mission. And what I mean by that is it means living for Christ Jesus on purpose, intentionally. Everything that Jesus did in his life, I believe, was on purpose. We read through the Gospels and it seems like some things just happened. He just happened to go through Samaria one day and just happened to meet a woman at the well. No, Jesus was on mission. He was carrying out his mission to seek and to save the lost. We have to live on mission too. We've got to be intentional about reaching the lost people in our lives. Because think about it this way. If we don't, Who's going to? God already presents us every day with countless opportunities. Countless opportunities to share the gospel, to love people. And how many times do we just let them pass by? I love how Ed Stetzer explains being on mission to give you a better understanding. Ed Stetzer, a great church planner, author, he says this. He says, on, Christian, on mission Christians might look like these people. She establishes a Bible study in her home for neighbors who are unchurched. He finds opportunities to share Christ with co-workers. A couple's family vacations are mission trips, not only to share evangelism experiences, but also to teach their children the value of sharing Christ as an ongoing lifestyle. Now, it not only applies to individuals, but churches have to be on mission too. He goes on to say, an on-mission congregation might be one that sponsors events to bring into the church those people who usually avoid church, thinking it's irrelevant. A missional church is willing and eager to engage the culture with the truths of the gospel. And he concludes with this. He says, Christendom is dead and missionaries are needed. I'll just be honest with you. I feel like too many people are lost and on their way to hell. I do. And we have the solution. It's like saying too many people are sick and dying with cancer. But here we have the treatment. How dare we hold that away from them and keep it to ourselves? If we don't become missional, if we don't continue to be a missional church and missional people. Who else in the world is going to do it? In conclusion, I want to just remind you that it all goes back to um, giving forward. We, we, we like, how many people are excited about their gifts this Christmas? Three people. Wow, y'all need to really talk to your spouses. <laughs> okay. We all like to receive gifts, and I tell you what, it's a lot of fun to give them too, isn't it? Being a Christian really goes back to giving forward what you've been given. That, that you have been given the greatest gift that man has, has ever re received. That the God of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, made it his mission to save you. And he gave you eternal life. And now you have the gospel. You can share it with anybody you want. I think about just the, the
process that it took to get me saved. And it all goes back to these early disciples we read about after Jesus died and rose again and went back to heaven and, and they went out and they began to share the gospel. And the gospel started really right there in Jerusalem and it, it spread out to the surrounding areas, to Judea, Samaria, and, and it began to spread across the Middle East. And then eventually it went into Europe, like Brian talked about last week with the Apostle Paul. Thank God for the Apostle Paul for our sake. And the gospel began to make its way into Europe. And after centuries and centuries and centuries, hundreds of years later, some faithful followers of God loaded up some old rickety boats and headed to a new, to a new place called America. <laughs> so they could worship freely the way that they believed God deserved to be worshipped. And they came and they brought the gospel to our continent, our corner of the world. And over time it spread into these mountains. <laughs> Sorry. But I think about that old mountain preacher. That made it his life's mission every Sunday for 30 something years to get up in front of a little church in Swampon, Kentucky and preach the gospel. Denville is no longer with us but that was his mission to share what he'd been given in the way that he knew how. And it was there <laughs> As a little boy, I heard it. And because of that, I'm standing here sharing it with you. And the Lord only knows where it's going to go next. Isn't that awesome? It's like Brian shared last week. <laughs> the gospel came to you on its way to somebody else. Because that's how it works. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And you've got to be missional because there's people in your life. There's people in your family. There's people all around you that need that gift desperately. It is a matter of eternal life and death. And this morning, maybe you've accepted the gift, but for whatever reason, you're not sharing it. You're not passing it forward. And I encourage you this morning to come and begin to pray that God would not only give you the opportunities, but He'd give you the strength to seize those opportunities. And in those moments that you trust Him to give you the words to say. And maybe you're here this morning and, 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 and you're still on the outside looking in. You are lost and you need to be saved. If that's you, i got a gift I want to give you for Christmas. <laughs> I can't wait. Would you stand with us this morning? I want to pray for you before we have a time of invitation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this amazing time of the year where we're so reminded, God, of one, how much you love us. 
Lord, that you would send your son into our world. That he would take on this flesh and this blood and he would feel pain. He would feel sickness. He'd feel hunger. He'd feel temptation. Lord, he'd become just like us so he could save us. Thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus. But God, if there's someone here that's never accepted that free gift that you offer, God, I pray this morning that they would. God, whatever, whatever's holding them back, God, I pray that you'd take it away. That your spirit just begin to draw them to you. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.